as an industry have not done it justice. Um, it's like every every new product that's announced by a security networky uh, vendor has has to include ZTNA in, in the checkbox. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I saw a company release a new uh, router and uh, it was ZTNA compliance uh, router. And it's just like, come on, let's this this term has been abused almost Welcome to The Edge, the official podcast of the SSE Forum. The SSE Forum brings together people like you, the IT practitioner, who are conquering the biggest challenges in networking and security. Together, the members of the forum share strategy, uncover requirements, and discuss best practices for enabling the modern workplace through security delivered at the network edge. To learn more about the SSE Forum, go to sseforum.com. IO. This podcast is sponsored by Access Security. Access Security secures the modern workplace. They make access to resources and applications impossibly simple and completely seamless. Take the Access 29-minute challenge. See how easy secure application delivery can be. Learn more at accesssecurity.com. And now, on to the podcast. In episode four of The Edge, Jay and John discussed the March meeting of the SSE Forum. The topic was the taxonomy of the Secure Service Edge. The forum covered the past, the present, and the future of this critical technology. So tighten your seatbelts. We're diving deep into the Secure Service Edge today. So Jay, um, we have some news this week, right? I understand you've uh, made a transition. I have. I am now officially a member of Axis as director of strategy. I've now moved from 25 years in uh, in industry to the dark side. Nice. I'm excited to have you on board and and joining the team, bringing your expertise as uh, you know somebody who's deployed this technology in the field, uh, have real world experience. So uh, Axis is uh, super excited to have you on board. Yeah, I mean, SSE, which funnily enough, this episode is all about is, is something that's intrigued me for a while. I mean, it wasn't called SSE. That's obviously a new term. Um, but zero trust and all of that stuff is is been about for a while now. And it's it's been a passion of mine. So it's, it's really great to combine something that I'm passionate about and, and like with with such a great team of people. So I'm really excited about being on board. Well, we're excited. Uh, so we had an SSC forum meeting um, a week or so ago, and, and we talked about really the technologies involved in the SSC stack. I believe that the title of the meeting was the taxonomy of, of SSC. Um, do you want to kind of kick us off with uh, some of your feedback on um, what we heard on that call with our, our panel of experts? Yeah, I I think to be honest, we we talked a little bit briefly about SASE and SSE and how they were linked. And I, I think what came out of the meeting was that most people knew what SASE was. 
they, they that had been around for a while. They knew the term, they understood it. And that led on to the bulk of the people understanding the SSE was was pretty much sassy just without the SD-WAN. Uh, we talked a little bit about priorities changing, I guess, and which is what led Gartner to, to make the change and come up with SSE, all due to really the pandemic and the fact that SD-WAN started to make less sense to a lot of companies as, as users kind of transitioned and went home. Um, the corporate network was not so heavily used. Uh, and, and historically, I guess also applications are getting more and more distributed and ending up more and more in the cloud anyway, uh, as well. So I think the panel pretty much agreed. And I know you're from an SD-WAN background, really. That's kind of, that's one of the things we've talked about before, that that was a big thing for you. So I think we all agree, right? And yeah, I think we agree. And, and one of the things we talked about is, you know, in the 2010s, we started to see those distributed applications, and that put a lot of stress on the wide area network, which uh, led to the evolution of SD-WAN, which addressed those distributed applications, not only in your internal data center, but, you know, hosted in the cloud, in your Azure's, in your AWS, and then, you know, delivered via SaaS platform. Um, and that led to SD-WAN, but the challenge there was how do you insert security? How do you put security into SD-WAN? And there were multiple ways to do that. Um, the industry couldn't coalesce on a single uh, methodology. And uh, as a result, we uh, got something from Gartner, you know, kind of giving us that roadmap for the future, SASE that is. And uh, it was interesting shortly after that, when you know, Gartner released SASE in 2019, uh, the pandemic hit almost uh, six to eight months later. Uh, and uh, that utility of the A in SASE uh, declined as people uh, left the, the cubes uh, and took their uh, branch offices to the kitchen table, their garages, their basements. And, um, you know, a new paradigm was was required really to address that. And uh, that that is what we've, you know, currently or the, the world we're living in is more uh, becoming SSE versus uh, that sassy and and um, yeah, that was a conversation we had. Yeah, and I I think we were all clear on that. What what wasn't quite so clear, or, or maybe not quite so clear, but people had slightly different opinions, is how the SSE stack is made up. So we we broke the stack down into like its its different elements, and we started to talk about them independently. So we started off with CASB, and we, we talked about what did what did people think CASB was, and I think the consensus was. It was really about shadow IT and visibility and being able to see what people were doing and what they were connected to. And I think we all agreed that it kind of came about when when we started to move to the cloud. I mean, there's been visibility on, on LANs and WANs for a while. You could keep an eye on your staff and you could see what they were doing. But as you started to move your applications out into the cloud, you needed to be able to see what people were doing. And, that, and at that point, shadow IT kind of, raised its head again and people were able to sign up and, and get access to things and, and you wouldn't necessarily know what they were doing. So I think we were in agreement with that. And we also agreed that it was was an element of the stack that we we thought was valid, but we thought it was made up of of kind of different technologies and we thought it was going to change over time. We, we didn't think it was a product that had, had kind of come to the end of the road and was finalized as to what it was do, was going to do. We, we talked about that there was still some kind of growth in this area obviously as more and more people move out to the cloud we thought that it would 
kind of just changed the way the product reacted but we we did a we we kind of all roughly on the same page yeah that was an interesting conversation we had and i think uh, at the end we kind of settled on that casby was going to evolve um away from being a separate isolated product to maybe more integrated tightly with uh, a swig type uh, scenario there where um, a lot of the functions and, and features that you see today in today's CASB would morph into a SWIG and the SWIG would be much more uh, knowledgeable about uh, patterns of traffic and uh, really, you know, what's going on as, as data leaves uh, the exterior of the enterprise and goes out to the cloud. Um, I think it, that, that led into, you know, as we reviewed those technologies uh, that are listed as part of the Gartner um, stack of, of SSE, um, there were several that uh, we felt that, you know, long-term would evolve, go away, dissolve. Um, and, um, you know, we'd be left with this kind of this core of really, what is it about? It's about a user, uh, an application, and how to put apply policy to that user as that user moves, you know, across the landscape from home to the office, to the coffee shop, to, uh, you know, maybe they're traveling and so on and so forth. And, and that's where we really felt that uh, the power of the SSC um, space and technologies really were. So uh, do we want to kind of dive into some of those technologies we feel like um, long-term may uh, dissolve or morph? Yeah, I think the, I think, the one we talked about the most that we thought was most critical um, was the SWIG. Um, we thought it was the one that had been around the longest, and that was the one we thought a lot of the other products would kind of combine into. Um, I mean, we, we all agreed that SWIG was a bit of a silly name, um, but we all agreed that it had been pretty much around since the internet started because it's the, the, the way in which you control what people can access, and, and that could be... Uh, based on the country you're in, or or it could be rules, could be those kind of things, and it it's been around for a long time. Uh, we talked about that each vendor kind of has slightly different pros and cons. Um, we thought that things like sandboxing and and were quite critical, and it was all about protecting the users. We also talked about a little bit about um, having a swig that's kind of proactive rather than reactive, and, and what I mean by that is. A whitelist and a blacklist is kind of reactive, um, whereas proactive things like machine learning and AI and trying to understand what people are doing. But we also talked about kind of malicious code detection and stuff like that was a bit like AI. Um, but I think actually things like DLP, for instance, and 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 RBI. I mean, we we talked about RBI and we talked a little bit about not really any of us understanding. What 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 it did and and where it fitted in the stack. We, we we thought that it was primarily about sandboxing, but that's covered in swigs. So is it a separate tool or should it be a feature of a swig? Where does it kind of stand? Um, so to talk about how things are gonna gonna merge, I guess the, the the main things we we thought would stand independently in the long run is your swig. It would probably contain your DLP and your RBI and, and your CASB, they, they should in theory just be policy-driven elements of, of that product set um, and ZTNA. Um, but ZTNA came along with a lot of confusion. I mean, I did some research before the meeting and it 
a lot of the paperwork that you you look at and a lot of the websites you look at are, say it's zero trust network architecture but obviously a lot of vendors sell it as zero trust network access and i know that raised a bit of confusion um so i don't know what you think about the, the ztna stuff yeah for me ztna and you know we as an industry have not done it justice um it's like every every new product that's announced by a security networky a vendor has has to include ZTNA in, in the checkbox. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I saw a company release a new uh, router and uh, it was ZTNA compliant uh, router. And it's just like, come on, let's uh, this this term has been abused almost. Um, to me, it's it's a philosophy. It's it's a different way of operating uh, that is required and needed for us to move uh, into the future. Uh, with these distributed applications. And um, it's just a different way of thinking. And I think the most important thing to me that ZTNA points out is it moves us to what I've always been a um, uh, evangelist of is uh, networking needs to move layers up and not just operate at layer three or layer four, but really focus on what a CIO cares about. A CIO does not care about packets. They don't care about segments. They don't care about TCP windows. They don't care about latency and delay. They fundamentally care about an application and how is that application performing? And is that application delivered securely uh, so that knowledge user or uh, that employee, that contractor, whoever it may be, can accomplish a task to help the business uh, create more revenue, generate more profit. At the end of the day, that's what that CIO cares about. Um, and to me, Zero Trust starts to accomplish some of those things. It's about delivering an application at layer seven, uh, securely uh, in a way that um, is is done right, um, as opposed to the, the past where, you know, you had to worry about the packets, you had to worry about this, you had to somehow insert security, uh, and that might require some, you know, network gymnastics to route those packets to a, a common data center or some device that would scan and inspect them. Um, to me, that's that's really what zero trust is about: is is delivering an application securely in such a way that that's all they see. They don't see the rest of the network. Uh, if Amy in HR needs app, you know, access to five applications, that's all she gets. She doesn't get to see, you know, the interior of the network. She can't ping around and or scan around. Um, she doesn't have to go through layers and layers of hardware devices. Uh, she's just granted access easily, simply uh, to that application. It's a philosophy to me. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly the the part of the SSE stack that we talked the most about. I mean, it, it probably took up more than half of the meeting because we all agreed that it was the right philosophy. I think there was some concern about calling it zero trust. Would we ever get to zero? Um, but we understood that it was the right concept, um, even if it was a bit buzzwordy. We, we, we certainly talked about 
remote access is probably the, the place to start because in, in, the, in the new kind of working world where a lot of people are still in either at home or doing a bit of hybrid, that was the easiest place to start. But then we talked about bringing it into the office, making sure that those policies that, that you've, you've set for your remote users could also be enforced internally. Uh, and, and making sure that was was regularly checked and regularly enforced. We also talked a little bit about can offices just have internet? Do we any longer need to treat the internet and an office any differently? Should the enforcement be done the same everywhere? And I think the consensus was it, it, it probably would be, whether it be remote access, user to server, server to server, whatever that might be, we should aim to get as close to zero from a trust point of view as we could. Um, we talked a little bit about kind of being a bit of a marketing sales tactic uh, and not every vendor was doing what we thought ZTNA was. Um, but it, it, it was one of those things where, okay, is it marketing blurb or is it a product or is it philosophy? And I think we ended up really agreeing that it was a philosophy. And that philosophy is not new. I mean, people have been doing this. You're from a networking background. People have been trying to aim towards zero trust, whether it be with NAC or VLANs or all of the ACLs for many, many years. It's not new. But what is new is some of the abilities the technologies have. I think, um, yeah, so what is new about it and, and what uh, we can do today that we couldn't do in the past? Um, you know, if we kind of go look back, uh, our, our original, I have some of the terms here that, uh, you know, were referenced. Uh, one of them was nano access. Uh, another was micro trust. Um, and then uh, we kind of got into this uh, uh, discussion around NAC and ACLs. So we see this evolution of, you know, to your point, the original uh, zero trust access was uh, ACL based. Uh, then we moved on to, to NAC. Both of those solutions are really, um, they're broad strokes. They don't get down to, they're blocking access in a macro way, let's call it that. Um, and uh, that leaves a lot of holes uh, open. I mean, it closes some of the doors, but uh, it, it leaves a lot of holes open and it creates a lot of complexity. I remember trying to uh, you know, install NAC at, at a few enterprises and, um, you know, the process was frustrating and it was frustrating on the user. Uh, it was frustrating on the team. The, the engineers had to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, troubleshooting. Uh, the end user compute folks uh, weren't happy because, you know, they, they got a lot of calls. Operations got a lot of calls. Uh, to do it right, you know, required a lot of effort and, and uh, talent uh, that was um, used to, um, you know, troubleshoot, support it. Um, it was just very complex. And at the end of the day, you know, people were like, hey, what's the utility of this if it's slowing things down? Um, I think now with ZTNA, we're talking more about granular access where we can get down to the point, you know, I referenced Amy earlier, uh, where Amy in HR, you know, she gets her five apps and it's a user um, with a, an application access group. And then, you know, we can use some tags as a simple policy um, cons construction there to, to make that happen. That wasn't possible back in the day um, because now we're we're living in a software world, whereas in the past we were living, you know, on the silicon that was embedded into the switches 
and you had very limited ability to manipulate it. Uh, it was an era of scarcity. And now, uh, you know, that we've moved to a cloud-based model, compute is available. Um, and, uh, you know, we can do a lot more things in software on the cloud natively than we could ever do on a device, a single device or a, a multiple devices. And uh, I think that's that's the magic here is we can actually do, you know, achieve zero trust philosophy and, and that approach um, where we couldn't do that, you know, several years back. Yeah, I think we've all probably lived through the times when you've either tried to create an ACL or install NAC and, and it's <laughs> trial by file, right? Yeah. So I think it's it's a there. very static approach as well. Uh, you know, you, you write out your ACL, hopefully you pray, you hit the hit the commit button and pray that it works. And and uh, if it doesn't, then you have to go back and you know reconstitute it. And then there's a change on the network. There's a new application. Guess what? Got to go back to the ACL, uh, put it together pray that it works. Then <laughs> there's several tries. And, uh, you know, that's the old way of networking. Whereas now, uh, with some of the, the newer technologies out there, some of the newer vendors out there, it's a simple policy um, yeah. that you can have an operations person learn, as opposed to your CCIE. Yeah, so after we talked a little bit about ZTNA, we moved on to, to, to DLP. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this was a bit of a contentious one. I think you had a bet. I think you had a bet during that uh, conversation. You kicked it off with, uh, if you could assign every document properly, uh, you would fly. I don't know if this is on your old nickel or now that you're at Axis, you you can uh, use the expense card. But you would fly to and and provide that person a beer. So yeah, and I don't even drink, so that's how convinced <laughs> I was that no one was going to be able to do this right. So. <laughs> I mean, we all agreed that DLP was something that was 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 needed. I mean, we all agreed that things like standard dictionaries uh, and blocking standard things like credit card information and 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 anything that was kind of standardized was 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 something we needed. We talked a little bit about you may as well push this product. Um, sorry, you may as well kind of use DLP through a, through your. SSE vendor because they're already seeing all the traffic inbound and outbound anyway. So there are other people that can do it, but they're more likely to only capture what's going into their environment, whereas the SSE vendor would see it all. Um, but we also agreed that to, to do DLP like 100%, you're going to need to mark documents. And that requires the business or the users to mark them in the right way. And then you have to set up policies to block them in the right way. And that's never going to happen, or or it takes a long, long period to happen. So, all, all, like I said, although we agreed that the standard dictionaries were were a good thing and that it should be done via your, your SSE platform, were we ever going to get to the right, like to, to the full solution? Um, and I think, yeah, I think we all it, agreed it wasn't. I think it depends on the industry and the customer as to whether or not they're, um, you know, where they where where do they need DLP if you're somebody that has, I don't know, secret documents or highly uh, confidential IP, um, maybe you're willing to do the investment to, to do that and, and train the, the users to, or the employees to classify the documentation, right? You can, you can do that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, that's, I don't know, I don't know, I don't want to put a number to it, uh, but most people, you know, are going to go with more of an automated approach and, uh, I think we we had a, a conversation around you know is there an opportunity here for an AI ML type application that you know could 
scan some of the documents or scan some of the the information and and start to make some of those decisions. Um, we we thought that might be a good direction, but we also had this uh, sidebar conversation around. Uh, you know, security and expediency. So, you know, we, we could secure this uh, and inspect all these documents, but at the end of the day, what are we doing? We're, we're adding latency and, um, you know, the CIOs cares about how that application performs. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, this is approached. Is this something that, again, to your point earlier in the conversation around, uh, you know, features morphed into a SWIG or, um, does it remain a separate product uh, that uh, you know requires that that training of the users? Uh, this this is an area to keep an eye on. Yeah, and one of the use cases we 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 talked about a bit about DLP was many companies that do M and A kind of or, or or have any form of kind of secret project that they assign uh, project names to. That's relatively straightforward in a DLP tool to to put those names and to stop data like that exfiltrating out of the network. Um, but to your point on latency, actually, that was one of the things we we talked about when it came to uh, RBI and when it came to the SWIG in general about sandboxing was the vendor that comes up with a way of scanning websites or documents that are, are, are going around quickly, like less latency, would, would be the ones that are leading because that's pretty critical. I mean, users are used to having now high bandwidth connections at home, even high bandwidth connections in offices. And obviously, if you are scanning whether that's opening documents and scanning inside or just scanning web pages or looking for malicious code that's going to get that's going to slow down that traffic um, and those users at home are probably not used to that happening um so we thought that was something on the swig and i, I think we didn't talk about that prior um but i'd be interested I, I think the last one on the sse stack that we we talked a little bit about was for firewall as a service and i think you'll probably better place to talk about that than me because it's I think more of your background yeah so this is um you know firewall as a service might have been one of the first applications I guess you would say uh, SaaS offerings uh in this SSE stack and really a, a response to uh, uh SASE and and well what eventually became SASE with SD-WAN and how to insert security um I think we all agreed on the call that this is eventually going to be legacy tech technology that uh, the services that you see today in, in a firewall as a service would be migrated, merged uh, over to more of that SWIG technology. Um, several people spoke about the cost associated with it. So um, very expensive was, was a term used several times. Limited func functionality versus on-prem firewall was used several times. Um, I think the consensus was this was really going to be another policy element that uh, would be applied in the um, secure service edge stack and migrated over time to a swig is, you know, that I think I said the utility of the A and SASE eventually uh, declines and we come more focused on the common denominator and that's uh, user access, uh, you know, is, is less, less so than that physical access that an SD-WAN provides. Um, so the SWIG would start to, you know, start to do the DLP. It would do the firewall as a service. The, far, the RBI components would be integrated. Um, we would be more focused on the user-based analytics aspect of it to, you know, detect um, some of that malicious code or malicious activities. Um, that was kind of the consensus of, of the folks on the call. Yeah, and I think you've kind of hit the conclusion right on the head here. Uh, I think we all agreed that 
really the aim was that this was should be a single platform with multiple features versus multiple flat platforms. We all agreed that it was a philosophy rather than a, a kind of a, a fixed list of tools. Um, we also talked about the SSE vendors kind of all started in, in, in different places, whether they started with ZTNA or they started with CASB or they started with DLP, but they're all kind of drifting towards the center now. Um, however, there was a point raised that although we thought that it was a single platform with multiple features, there was, there was a concern that maybe a single vendor wouldn't be able to do everything as, as well as they should. Uh, and therefore, integration was pretty key. And I, I remember us talking a little bit about fundamentally, vendors don't want to integrate with anyone else. They want to own everything. So there, there was that question on how well are these going to integrate? Yeah, I think there's going to be a push-pull between that, uh, you know, best of breed versus, uh, you know, one platform to to rule them all in a sense. Um, it's still early days, right? Um, the SSE stack is you know, originally let's, let's call it part of SASE. So 2019, and here we are in 2022 and, you know, Gartner finally released their, their magic quadrant, so on and so forth. So it's been, you know, deemed as a, as a, as a Gartner approved technology stack. Uh, but again, it's early days. There's not a lot of companies out there that have adopted this technology. They've adopted parts and pieces of it, but as a fundamental platform uh, architecture, uh, from a single vendor, there there aren't a lot of folks out there that are using that, uh, and even the sum of them that may be using it, is it really a, a platform or is it a portfolio? You know, you could make arguments that uh, some of these products have been you know brought together. Maybe it's through different business units. Maybe it's through different uh, uh, development cycles, and the integration pieces aren't there. So a lot of it is today best of breed. But I think there's that said, there is an opportunity out there for simplification. There's an opportunity out there for somebody to to come along and um, make the consumpt not only the consumption of this technology easy, but um, the um, the operational side of it as well. And um, I think if somebody comes along and, and does that well, um, they're gonna they're going to take over and, and, and really fundamentally change this space. So um, it's exciting, exciting to see it. And uh, uh, I think really, you know, the next, let's call it three to five years and, and see how it plays out. Um, it's going to be exciting times. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited. Obviously we talked about me transitioning over access at the start of the call. I mean, I'm really excited about SSE. I, I like to talk about it. I'm, I'm interested in it. I think it's, fundamentally going to make a change to, to IT and security teams. But I think it is in its infancy, as we've talked about. I think there's a lot of a lot of kind of philosophy and, and there are products out there that kind of match those philosophy. Um, but there's going to be change. They're going to mature. They're going to there's, – there's just, that's just the way IT works. Um, but I think it's worth noting – I think we're pretty much coming to the end now, but I think it's worth noting that to any listeners out there, uh, if you're interested in SSE, uh, and you want to be involved in the forum, uh, reach out to us if, you, if you've got some background, uh, whether it be an IDP or anything else that you're interested in talking to us about, reach out and we can interview you. And also both myself and John are going to be at the RSA conference. Um, so feel free to reach out to us if you're going to be there. 
we can spend some time with you. We'd really be interested in, in talking with you about your journeys or where you are or what, you, what you're what you interested in. I think that'd be quite exciting. Yeah, and if, likewise, so sseforum.io, check it out. Um, there's great material there. Uh, we keep adding to it uh, as well. You know, if uh, you are at RSA or one of these conferences where uh, we may be, so hit us up on LinkedIn as well. Um, usually JRI will be telling you, uh, hey, we're going to be at such and such uh, uh, location or conference. Um, we'd love to to chat with you. Um, uh, Jay, Jay, you know, if you've got a DLP story, he may buy you a beer. Um, I'll, I'll gladly buy you a beer and listen to your story. And, and honestly, if you want to record a podcast, you got a story, you got a passion for this technology, let us know, hit us up. Uh, we'd be, we'd be enjoying that conversation with you. Thanks for listening to The Edge, the official podcast of the SSE Forum. Look for more great content coming soon as we explore the journey to the Secure Service Edge. And please give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform. And to learn more about the SSE Forum, please check out ssceforum.io.